Crestview Baptist Church this morning. Thank you for choosing to come worship with us this morning. We're glad to have you. And if you're visiting, we're especially glad to have you, which I'm glad to have everybody, not just visitors. Um, if you are visiting and you've never filled one out before, we have visitor cards in the pews. If you could fill one of those out and drop it in the offering box on the way out just so we can get some more information about you and get to know you a little better um, and find out any ways we can serve you. Um, if you're tuning in online, thank you for choosing to tune in, tune in online this morning. Um, quite a few announcements coming up. Um, a few things this week. Uh, March 17th. Now that's next month, excuse me. Um, this weekend... This, come, this next coming weekend, um, the youth, we're having a uh, two-day, it's a youth rally, but it's, we'll spend Friday night, and then I'll bring everybody home, and I'll pick them up again Saturday morning, and we're going to cost us $25, and that covers a t-shirt and a, like a little goodie bag they give you and meals for uh, lunch and supper on Saturday. As far as Friday, um, if you got it, bring ten dollars, and we're gonna get, we're gonna meet here at the church at four thirty, and we're gonna go eat at Jam and Jay's before. Um, if you're interested in that, let me know. If you've not already, I can still sign you up. I can't guarantee you a T-shirt, but I can still get you signed up, and I, I can still get you food. I think through uh, the middle of the week. Uh, the week after that, the youth, we're going to meet here uh, Friday right after school as soon as we can. I'll give you an exact time, and we're going to Winter Jam in Greenville, and uh, we'll be home late that night. That is, um, and don't forget also next Saturday is breakfast, right? First Saturday? First Saturday breakfast. That first Saturday rolls around real quick. Uh, don't forget about the breakfast coming up. Is it Saturday week? Oh. Okay, the youth rally's in two Saturdays, too, then. Sorry. Listen, I let time slip away from me. I don't know what day's what some days. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Uh, don't forget about those things coming up, though. Um, did I hear someone say the WMU meeting was this week? It was this past week. I give up. I give up anyway. That's my announcements. And uh, I just invite you to... Uh, leave all that behind you right now, and uh, let's go to God and worship this morning. Folks, that's what happens when you work with teenagers. Your brain falls out your head when you sleep, and you get up in front of people and don't know what today is. <laughs> all the announcements are in your bulletin, and they are for March. <laughs> Other than Wednesday night, we don't have anything else going on this month. Wednesday night, 6.30 Bible study. We're covering the book of Acts. We'll be starting with uh, Acts 15 this, uh, this Friday or Wednesday night in, uh, here in the sanctuary. Chad will be with the youth and children out in the youth building. We hope you can join us. All of it starts at 6.30 this week. And then choir practice will be at 7.45. Boy, I wish you could look see the look that Sandra just gave me. <laughs> We're shooting for 7.15 for choir practice starting, but sometimes the preacher and other people like to talk a little bit too much about Jesus. So, so it may be 7.30 before choir practice starts. Um, and I'll get mean looks about that too, but that's okay because I'd rather get a mean look about Jesus than not get one at all. 
So, um, <laughs> but it is good to see everybody here today. Um, continue to pray for uh, Chris, uh, Myra Cook's son. He is still in ICU. He is on a BiPAP machine 24-7, but it's our understanding that he is conscious. He has not been sedated. So please continue to pray for him. He will take two steps forward and four steps back. Um, but continue to pray for him. Also, many of you know that Rusty Morrison, Vicki Morrison's husband, had a heart attack. Um, he is uh, in, currently in ICU in Charlotte. Um, he did have a what they call an emergency heart cath yesterday. It's an emergency because they normally don't do heart caths on the weekend, but they had to call people in to do his, and he is doing well. They are looking at the possibility of moving him to a regular room today. So uh, please pray for Rusty, and especially for Vicki. Vicki, as, as many of you know, she is a caregiver. That is her calling. She, she will serve until she has no energy to do anything else. So pray for Vicki. She's extremely tired. Um, but pray for her to have the strength and the wisdom to know when she has to say, I can't do anything else. But uh, that she will be there for, for Rusty and help with him as much as she can and take care of herself at the same time. And did you have something, Lisa? Okay, so pray for Lisa Pendleton's mom. She's continuing to grow weaker, um, losing balance. And uh, look at the prayer sheet. There are several others. I think that we had one added today. Where did you, there he is. Is it Jim? Jonathan Grigg. Jonathan Grigg. He has been diagnosed with an extreme, uh, extremely aggressive testicular cancer. He is a, a friend of Jim Humphreys and Joe. They used to work together. So uh, pray for him um, as he begins this fight uh, with cancer. And at this time, please join me in prayer as we get our hearts and our minds set toward the things of God. Let's go to the prayer. Our holy and precious Lord. We thank you for being who you are. Dear Lord, we thank you for loving us despite our shortcomings. We thank you for loving us despite our sin. Dear Lord, we thank you because you loved us while we were yet unlovable. But you loved us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to offer himself as the perfect sacrifice to buy our forgiveness with his blood. And dear Lord, I thank you for the change that coming to Jesus makes in our lives. And as we come together as your people this morning, that we gather together for one purpose. And that is to worship you. Dear Lord, we gather together because we get encouragement from each other. 
We gather together because we need that fellowship that comes from gathering with people of like minds. But dear Lord, that's not why we're here. We are here for this hour that we set our minds, that we set our thoughts, we set our eyes on the cross and that we worship you and we hear from you through the songs that we sing, through the words that are spoken. And just for this short hour, I ask that you take all of the distractions of life and you shut them away for this short hour so that we may fully focus on you. Dear Lord, we have laid the people that are listed on our prayer sheets. We have laid those at your feet. And dear Lord, the ones that have mentioned this morning, we lay them at your feet as well. You are the master physician. You are the one that takes broken pieces and puts them back together. You are the one that heals. And we ask that you do that right now. That you strengthen bodies. That you strengthen minds. That you strengthen hearts. So that we may be able to glorify you. And dear Lord, regardless of the outcome, you will still be worthy of praise. And we will still glorify your name. And dear Lord, we ask now that the gospel of Jesus Christ will be lifted high today, that hearts and souls will be changed, that you move among your people and you open our hearts and our ears to receive a message from you today. And we ask all of this in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Savior. Amen. With all the issues that we are all going through, personally, as a nation, as a world, what a blessed comfort it is to know that Jesus is our Lord and Savior. So take that personally as we stand and sing verses 1 and 3 of Blessed Assurance, Jesus is Mine, page 334. This is 
some new faces this morning. Fill it up. I'm going. I like to see it. All right. Ask you guys a question. Who has ever watched the movie Aladdin? Who's ever watched the movie Aladdin? Harry raised his hand. Seen it a bunch of times. We sing some songs. Me and you get up after and we'll sing the uh, Prince Ali. No, okay. <laughs> That's a good movie, right? What does Aladdin get in that movie? What does he get? A lamp. And what's in that lamp? A genie. What does the genie do? Grants wishes, right? Well, I want to talk to you guys because sometimes we can get in our mind that when we're praying and when we're talking to God, we can treat him like a genie instead of a God. Did you know that? I had a kid this week, and this story's for you guys mainly, but I had a kid this week that I was working with, and I have little glimpses of, of, of good and bright moments with the kids I work with. Um, this kid was sitting there, and he, was, and he said, Jesus don't give nothing. And I said, I don't even know how it came up. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, Jesus don't give nobody nothing. I said, why do you think that? He said, I've been asking for a dinosaur and I ain't got one yet. And I said, well, that's not, I can't really, that's not really how it works. And, uh, but God gives us the things we need, right? And when we pray, sometimes we want to go to God and we pray for the things we want. And sometimes we don't even know how to pray. So today we're going to talk about prayer. And we're going, to, we're going to read you this scripture right now. We're going to talk about it a lot more in a few minutes. But even the disciples, one time they asked Jesus, you know, how do we pray? We're not really sure how we, how we pray. How are we supposed to do this? And in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, starting at verse 9, he says, um, Jesus says, In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us in temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now that can be some kind of big words and kind of stuff in there that may not make sense to us, but we're going to break it down and we're going to talk about it. But I want you to remember, when you're talking to God and we're praying for things, he's not a genie. He's not going to, if you pray for a dinosaur, a dinosaur might show up. Probably not, because a dinosaur is not something we need, because that's in what we want, right? We're supposed to be praying for God's will to be done. So remember that, and we're going to talk about it a little bit more. Let's go to, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we're going to line up back there. God, thank you so much for this day, for these young uh, young men and young, uh, young boys and young ladies here ready to learn about you and focus on you and just spend some time together. Be with us as we open and we read through the scriptures, Lord, and just um, help us as we go through this week to share the gospel through our actions and the way we, way we talk and the way we treat people. All we ask in your name. Amen. We had a wonderful WMU meeting the other night. So that's a little cheer for our WMU. But um, one of the things that we were talking about was everyone is doing one or the other. You're either fixing to head into the storm of your life or 
Maybe you're right in the middle of the storm of your life. Or maybe you just came out of it. And maybe you're one of those people that can say, hm, I've never been through a storm. I've, things have gone good for me. Well, buckle up because it's coming. But as the Christian, again, we have that blessed assurance that we're not going to go through that storm alone. We're going to go through storms. That's a promise. But Jesus is going to carry us through it. He's not going to be behind us. He's going to hold us by the hand and carry us through that storm. So no matter how high those waves get, those mountains get, no matter how low those valleys get, take comfort in knowing Jesus is there with you to carry you through the storm of your life. You just got to be still and put your faith in him.
Thank you, choir, for that. Last week, I shared about what Christian unity means, what it is and what it isn't. Well, today, I want to share with you about why Christian unity is important. So the importance of Christian unity. And I want you to notice that picture that's there. It is a Roman army behind their shield wall. That was common practice back with the Vikings, with the Roman soldiers, with the the medieval knights, that when they would battle, they would form shield walls. That was just common practice. And we're going to look at that and see the importance of our unity in Christ. And so we're going to look back at the same scripture that we looked at last week, but only one verse, and that's going to be our key verse, but then we're going to spread out and look at different parts of scripture. But the verse that we're going to have as our key verse is Ephesians 4, 3. I read this last week. I'm going to read it again. So if you would please stand and turn in your Bible to Ephesians 4.3. It's also in your bulletin as well as on the screen. And this is what Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. In verse 3 he says, Being diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Again, be diligent to preserve the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Let's pray. Blessed Lord, thank you for what Paul writes in his letters. Thank you for the fact that it is as pertinent to us today as it was when it was written. Lord, open our hearts and our minds that we may receive your message today. And it's in the holy and precious name of Jesus Christ, our living Savior, we pray. Amen. So why is Christian unity important? First point I want to make is that Christian unity is so important because Jesus prayed for it himself. He prayed for our unity today. He prayed for it. And if you turn to John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23, this is what John records in his gospel. He records this prayer that Jesus was praying for his disciples. And he says, I do not ask on behalf of these alone. He was not just praying for his 12, but for those also who believe in me through their word. Future generations of believers. He's praying for us. That they may all be one, even as you, Father, and are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me the glory which you have given me. I have given to them that they may be one just as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you have loved me. So what does this mean? 
Jesus prayed for our unity. But why did he pray for our unity? He prayed for our unity because Christian unity proves Jesus was God. It says that they may, the world may believe that you sent me. Jesus is telling them in this prayer. He says, the world will believe that you, Father, sent me to this earth if there is unity among my disciples. And then it also says, Christian unity proves that the gospel is true. Gospel is all it means is good news. The good news of salvation, the new, good news of redemption, the good news that Jesus came and gave himself as the perfect sacrifice for us to cover our sins, to give us eternal life. And the unity among Christians proves that that gospel message is true because it's only Jesus Christ that can take people and fix us. I'm going to tell you, I am messed up. Everybody I know. Yes, that means all of you sitting right here in this congregation and all those watching on the internet. Y'all are messed up too. Some of us are more messed up than others, but we're all broke. We ain't right. And Jesus is the only one that can make us right. And he is the only one that can take two people from very different places in their life and bring them together as brothers and sisters in Christ and us have unity. Jesus is the only one that can do that. And our unity proves that the gospel, the saving grace of Jesus Christ is real and true. That's what Jesus was praying for. That they would believe that God sent him. And then lastly, Christian unity proves that God loves us. Chad said that little boy prayed. He said, Jesus, don't give me nothing. I want a dinosaur and I ain't got one yet. Well, let me tell you something. There are times in my life, that I prayed and asked God for something. And I am not about to say that God didn't give it to me. What I am going to say is that sometimes God said no. That is not what you need. But you know what He gave me instead? Was far more superior than what I was asking for in the first place. You see, there were many times, there's this old country song, thank God for unanswered prayers. <laughs> that is not theologically correct. 
Because God always answers his prayers. Especially prayers of his children. If someone that has been saved by Jesus Christ and is one of God's children, he will hear your prayers and he will answer it. But he's going to answer in three ways. Yes. No. Or not now. You guys know what I'm talking about. Those of you that have raised children, you have your children coming and wanting something. Daddy, 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 daddy. Not now. Just wait. They hate that. And they keep coming back. I said not now. We do the same thing to God. But you know what he's doing that whole time? He is showing us his love because he wants the best for us. Jeremiah says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. He does not want to give us something that is going to hurt us in the long run. Jesus says, what father, when their son would ask for bread, would give him a serpent instead? Ain't nobody going to do that. You're not going to give your child something that's going to harm them. Not if you really love them. And God loves us. And our Christian unity proves that God loves us. And he wants the best for us. And he has no problem telling us, no, that's not what you need. Or no, not right now. But then Christian unity is also important. Because we are at war with a common enemy. Let's face it. We are at war. We're not at war with other Christians that don't believe the same way we believe. We are not at war with the world and lost people. But we are at war. And every single one of us, regardless if we believe the same way, regardless of what we look like, what church we go to, all Christians are at war and we all have a common enemy. Look at Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12. Paul, in the same letter that our text is from, writes in verse 10 of chapter 6, he says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. See, our war is not against each other. But our war is against Satan and his constant attacks to keep the kingdom of God from growing. I was talking earlier this week with one of the campus ministers from Gardner-Webb and he was sharing 
that how things were going among the students there at Gardner Webb and against their ministry and that people were stepping up and people were growing and people were committing them, their lives to Jesus Christ. And he said, over the last month, I have had more people coming to me with little petty fights or getting their feelings hurt or, 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 or angry about something that was minor and petty, but it was stopping the movement right in its tracks. In the same time I was having this conversation, another pastor shared that they were at one of their former churches that they were having a revival. And it was an incredible revival going on in their their church to the point that the Sunday after the revival ended, they had so many people in attendance at that church that all of the youth had to sit on the floor up in front of the first pew because there was no room for anybody else to sit. But then one of the deacons apparently didn't like what was going on and called for a, 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 a vote of confidence in the pastor, a pastor satisfaction survey. And guess what happened the next Sunday? Those people weren't back. Was it, that pat, was it that deacon that caused the stop? Was it these students arguing among themselves that made it stop? No. It was the influence of Satan that put a stop to it. And we as Christians need to be mature enough that we recognize exactly what is going on. And church, we are in spiritual warfare. And sadly to say, that outside attacks, outside attacks have been ineffective. So what Satan does is he gets us fighting amongst ourselves. He influences, and yes, Satan can influence Christians just like he can influence anybody else. If we allow him to do so, he will do so. But Christian unity is important because we are in that battle. We have a common enemy. And we must pull together just like those soldiers in the pictures. See, we are in... We are at war for each other. Christian unity is important because it allows us to defend each other. Look at that picture. Each person, each man that's holding a shield, he is not only responsible for himself, but he is responsible for the person next to him. He is responsible for the ones behind them. He is to hold that line. And he is supposed to to, to work together. That's one thing that I have heard, you know, talking to Jonathan. He's out there on that submarine somewhere underwater. And, 
in the Pacific Ocean, and that's all we know. We have no idea where he is. But when we did get to talk to him, he said it's incredible how fast you build a bond with those people that you're living with in that tube. You see, he shares a bed with two other guys. They each get eight hours of rack time. And they rotate through. But he says, you get really close to these people. They come from different walks of life. They all have different beliefs. But they have one common goal. And that is to do their duty. They all have different jobs. Jonathan's job is totally different than anybody else's. They all have different responsibilities, just like in the church. And when I say church, I'm not just talking about Crestview Baptist Church. I'm talking about Big C, the bride of Christ. Everyone that has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior is the church. And even though they all have different duties, they all feel a responsibility of taking care and protecting and fighting for the person next to them. But that is our Christian unity is important because it allows us to defend each other. Now, what would happen in this picture if one of these people in that picture said, huh, and they went out on their own? How long would they last? Oh, not very long at all. Not very long at all. You see, even in, in nature, you have a pack of lions or a pride of lions going after a bunch of Cape buffalo or wildebeest or something like that, and they run. But Cape buffalo don't usually run. You know what they do? They do the same thing that American bison do when they get attacked by a pack of wolves. They make a circle. They put the weakest ones, the ones most vulnerable, they put at the center and they circle up with horns facing out. Their weapons and their defense is facing outward and they protect the one beside them and the ones behind them. Which ones are the ones that get picked off? The ones that break rank, the ones that leave. Christian unity allows us to protect each other and present a front that is impenetrable by anything Satan throws at us. And then secondly, Christian unity is important because it allows us to defend the church. Again, big C. But also, little C is in Crestview Baptist Church the local body. When we have Christian unity, there are going to be times that we're faced with something that tries to, that Satan uses to try to destroy us. Church, let me ask you a question. How many of you were here when the church started? Go ahead, raise your hand. How many people were here when the church started? Out of this group right here, I've got one Two, three, four, five people that were here when this church started. 
How many of you were here 10 years ago? Go ahead and raise your hand. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. More. How many people have been here over the last five years? If you, have, if you, if you came from the past five years, that's everybody else. Church, we've been through some times in our history that Satan meant to destroy us. You remember, we were actually having meetings on how that we were going to pay our bills at one point. You guys remember those? But you know what? God is stronger than anything Satan throws at us. I keep going back to that VeggieTales song. God is bigger than a boogeyman. He's bigger than Godzilla and the monsters on TV. And He watches over you and me. God is bigger. And Christian unity is what got us through that point. We all don't agree with each other. Sometimes we don't get along. But we have a common ground in Jesus Christ that we can overcome those differences for what God has called us to do. And He has called this church to be a church for a purpose. Back when this church formed, it was for a purpose. And that same calling is still true today. To proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. To show that imperfect people to come together to worship and praise a, worship, a perfect God. And that lives can be changed. The purpose has not changed. But our job in being unified is to protect this church and protect the larger church. We cannot defend the church from the attacks of Satan without being unified. And then thirdly, Christian unity is important because it allows us to fight for the lost. We're not in this battle just for us. But when we share the gospel and someone accepts the gospel of Jesus Christ and they become a child of God, what does that mean? That Satan lost another one. And when Satan loses one, he don't like it. He does not break newsflash. Satan does not want anyone to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Satan wants everybody for himself. And since he can't take one from God, we hear, now here's another thing, there's a little side note. We hear all the time about other people walking away from their faith and denouncing their belief in Jesus Christ. Church, here is something you can hang your hat on. 
If you can turn your back on Jesus Christ and you can walk away and say that you don't believe in Him anymore and that He is not your Savior, you were never saved in the first place. Point blank. And if that makes somebody mad, it makes somebody mad. But that's the truth. Because once you come face to face with Jesus Christ, you will never be the same. And you will never be able to walk away. Does that mean that you, you can't backslide, that you can't step away? No, that's not what I'm talking about. But you're not going to be happy. And supposedly all these people, they're happier now than they've ever been. So if that's the case, they never knew Jesus in the first place. That's just point blank. Okay? But Satan gets upset, and we are in war. And why in the world would anybody want to be part of, of a group of people that say that they believe in Jesus Christ and that God loves us and that we love Him, but then they can't even get along? Why would anyone want to be part of that? Christian unity is important because we're in a battle to win as many of those people to Jesus Christ as possible. And why would they even listen to us if what we say and how we act are two different things? Jesus says by this that they will know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. Again, proof. That we are his disciples. Another thing says, they will know you, by, you are my disciples, that you keep my commandments. That you obey me. Well, if we're guilty of breaking one of those commandments, the Bible says we're guilty of what? All of it. And if we can't love one another, then we're breaking the commandment. We're not obeying you see the, the, the thing, they, they, they're, the people, the lost people are looking at us and they're seeing that, hey, they can't even like get along with each other. Why in the world would I want to be part of that? They don't really believe what they're saying. So Christian unity allows us to battle and fight for the lost. You know, Charles Spurgeon says that... Uh, he said, if people, there's some people that are determined to go to hell. And that's true. There are some people that just, they're, they're determined, no matter what you say or whatever you do, they're going to go to hell. He said, if they are determined to go to hell, let them have to climb over as many bodies as possible of people trying to splock their way to hell to be able to get there. In other words, we should fight. We should lay ourselves down. We should die to get as many people as possible to keep from going to hell. Bikers for Christ. They say that they're running a rescue mission at the gates of hell, trying to snatch as many as possible before they run into the gates of hell. Church, we are in a spiritual battle for the lost. And we have to be unified in that battle. Each of us have a job. That's not always the same job, but each of us have a job in rescuing souls 
from perishing. And see, without Christian unity, that, I've showed you why Christian unity is important. Now let me show you what happens if we don't have Christian unity. Without Christian unity, unity, the first thing we do is that we make Jesus a liar. Have you ever thought of that? That's what we're telling the world. When we're fighting amongst ourselves, we're telling them that Jesus is a liar. And that's the message they're getting loud and clear. Without Christian unity, we show that the gospel is a lie. That it's not true. God really does. Jesus' death on the cross doesn't change anything. That's what we're telling them. We're telling them that the good news of Jesus Christ is a lie. Without Christian unity, we prove that God does not really love us. We sing the song. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. And what we're telling them when we can't get along with each other, when we can't, we are not unified and, and, and we can't work together despite differences, what we are telling them that that is a lie, that God does not love us. And without Christian unity, we give up the ability to defend each other. It's not that we lose the ability. We give it up. We had it. We just give it away. We give it up. The ability to defend each other. If we're not closed ranks and we're not unified, we are opening ourselves up for attack and, they can, and Satan can get in and he can start destroying us from the inside out because we are not unified in fighting Satan. And without Christian unity, we give up the ability to defend the church. Again. We can't defend the church. We can't fight for what's important. Without Christian unity. And then finally, without Christian unity, we give up the ability to reach the lost. We give it up. Basically what we're resigned to, if we cannot have Christian unity, if we don't have unity among our people, basically what we've become is we've become a club. And the best it's going to get is what's here right now. We have given up our ability to reach outside of these four walls. 
reach outside of ourselves, to reach a lost and dying world that so desperately needs Jesus Christ. And we become nothing more than a club. And your tithes are nothing more than dues. Bottom line. That is why Christian unity is so important. Because it's Christian unity that enables us to be the church that God created us to be. It is what enables us to be this local body of believers, part of a larger body of believers that enables us to minister, that enables us to reach out, that enables us to strengthen each other and love each other. That is all Christian unity. And going back to our text, this is not something that we create I said this last week. Christian unity is something that we immediately have through the Holy Spirit at the moment of salvation. That He has given us Christian unity from the get-go and we must work diligently to preserve it. To maintain it. It is not something that we can give you a seven-step program to create. Because it is a work of the Holy Spirit. We can put a stop to it, but we cannot create it. And church, we have to work diligently. We have to work diligently to preserve Christian unity. Because we have been called. We have been commanded to go into this world to make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded us. We cannot do that if we do not have unity among the believers. And as I said last week, that doesn't mean we have to agree on everything. I know that that we don't agree on, on interpretation of scriptures. And that's okay. Because the Bible says that each person is responsible for themselves. That is called the priesthood of believers. What I'm responsible with is telling you what God has told me to say. What I'm responsible for is to preach the word of God as God has revealed it to me. And yes, my beliefs may be different. But I'm going to tell you what the Bible says. If you interpret it differently than me, that's okay. That doesn't mean I don't love you. Hopefully it doesn't mean that you don't love me. But Christian unity goes far beyond that. It is locking arms with somebody and saying, we are not going to move because this is where God has told us to take the stand. And we're going to defend the person next to us and we're going to defend the ones behind us and we're going to do everything that we can do to allow the ones coming behind us to grow. To to grow in knowledge. To grow in their walk with the Lord. 
And we're going to do everything that we can do to reach as many people as possible. That's what Christian unity says. That's why it's important. Now we've come to the time of our service. What is your chance to respond to what God is telling you to do? If you want to be part of this body of believers, this is your opportunity to come forward and, 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 and join to be part of this fellowship. But most importantly, if you don't know Jesus Christ, if you have never met him, if he has never made an impact on your life, if he has never transformed you, and you've never come to the place where you accept him as your personal savior, this is the opportunity to do that. Please, don't leave this place today without doing whatever it is that God is dealing with you and calling you to do right now. This is your opportunity as we sing this song. Would you stand as we sing 387 for our invitational hymn, Blessed Be the Tie, 387. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship united us is like to that above. today. Um, we do have a, a uh, business meeting uh, right now. So if you are visiting with us and you don't want to stay, you're welcome to leave. I'll be at the back. Um, but I am going to ask that if Jim would dismiss our service and then begin our business meeting. Would you pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the message we've just heard. Thank you for the unity that comes through walking in your spirit. Help us to keep that as our primary focus in our life is to serve you, to walk in the spirit, and to cling to each other. And, and all of us together will keep our eyes and our hearts focused on you and your will for our lives. As we depart from this place and go out into the world, help us to remember that our walk is a battle and that there's deceptions and divisions coming at us from all directions. Don't let us waver, but help us to stay focused on you, Lord. Thank you for all you do and forgive us our many sins. Amen.